Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, we appreciate everybody being with us as we do this podcast. And this past Sunday, Jason was preaching Sunday morning and taking off of our theme this year of finish what was started. He talked about the Lord's Supper. Uh, The Lord's Supper helps us finish what was started was the title of the lesson. Lord's Supper is very important to the disciples of Jesus. It's a central part of our worship. Uh, A couple passages just kind of bear this out to us. In Acts 2, verse 42, it says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that would be the Lord's Supper, and prayer. And then another great Acts passage is Acts chapter 20, verse 7, says on the first day of the week when we gather together to break bread. And so the gathering together to break bread, to remember the Lord's death is central to what we do as Christians. And so it's good to go back and just to refresh ourselves, to remind ourselves, but also to learn some new things as the Bible teaches about the importance of the Lord's Supper. And so, Jason, let's just kick this back to you and you kind of walk through the lesson just a little bit. It's available on our on our website. We really encourage you to listen to it. It's a great foundational sermon that we need to understand and appreciate so much. Yeah, as you mentioned, of course, our theme, Finish What Was Started. Uh, this quarter, especially you and I, in a variety of ways, have been looking specifically at what was started. And you have an entire Wednesday evening class that has been poking around in that theme. Uh, sure does seem like, as you mentioned, the Lord's Supper is something worth thinking about along those lines. We're blessed with a number of young people, a number of people who consistently visit with us who have yet to make that commitment of being a disciple. And so these first principle lessons, we hope, are very valuable. We went back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22 and just listened in as Jesus instituted this greatest of memorials. As you referenced Acts chapter 2, I went from Luke 22 to Acts Two to show that, okay, this was not just for the apostles on that one occasion, but the apostles, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, encouraged the earliest Christians to be a part of that. And then, as you referenced from later in Acts, of course, it's not just those first Christians in Jerusalem. This was something that was started and, of course, expected to be continued as Christianity spread throughout the world. We moved in the sermon from there to this call to finish what was started. We spent a little bit of time in Hebrews 12, that famous looking to Jesus passage, and then we settled for the rest of our time in that sermon in 1 Corinthians 11. The the connection lands for us in verse 26, where Paul says, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, obviously, that was a letter written to people 2,000 years ago who lived in the city of Corinth, but the until he comes phrase is absolutely uh, pivotal here. Obviously, the Lord has not returned yet, and we don't 
get discouraged by that. We don't become disillusioned with the promises of God. Remember how God leads Peter to emphasize that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. In the grand scheme of things, from God's perspective, this might as well have been Monday. <laughs> this is is not a cause to cast off our faith. And so we ended the sermon with five looks, how the Lord's Supper helps us finish what was started with five looks. The look up, this is the Lord's Supper. Look in, this is a time to examine myself. Look back at the founder and perfecter of our faith. Look around, we have come together as a church. We're doing this together and look ahead to our Lord's return. Yeah, let's let's go back and talk about some of those looks. I think that's very important. It's always interesting to me that when we compare the Old Testament worship to the New Testament worship, particularly of the church, uh, by and large, most of the Old Testament had a lot of physical aspects. They actually took a lamb and actually sacrificed it. They burned incense and things like that. We get to the New Testament, it seems to be so much more spiritual-oriented, but what we do find is this physical act of taking the bread and drinking the cup as God wants us to do that. And, and that we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But let's begin by, by looking at these looks that you mentioned, the look up, the look in, the look back, the look around, the look ahead. A couple of those are, are very obvious, to look back. I mean, we, we just we do that all the time. We get out the old photo album or the, the high school yearbook, and we flip through the pages, and, and our minds go back. We, we, we're down memory lane. We do that. Looking around is pretty easy. You just kind of you do that when you drive. You do that when you're in other places. You just look around and you see things. But the other three, I think it's significant for us to just put a little bit of time on and talk about what does that mean? What does it mean to look up? This is the Lord's Supper. Yeah, well, 1 Corinthians 11, one of the, the very reasons that we have that text is there was an observance going on in Corinth, even when at least part of them would come together. But verse 20 is very revealing, very instructive. Paul says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. And that's not just an idle observation. It's most certainly not a, a compliment. As we read the entire second half of this chapter, it is a sharp rebuke, right? That you may think you are doing what God would have you to do. You may think that the way you are doing it or not doing it is not that big of a deal. You may think the way we hear many people reasoning today that, well, as long as I'm excited and sincere, I'm sure it's not really that big of a deal in God's eyes. But Paul says, what you are doing is not the Lord's Supper. And so what we mean by look up is really to look to the Lord as the source of authority, right? He has not just given us a blanket recommendation. You know, I think it would be sweet if every once in a while you would do something in my memory, but it's really up to you. You know, there are going to be disciples of various centuries and various cultures and locations and opinions. You just go ahead and do whatever you want to do to memorial. 
memorialized me. No, it is very specific. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And it stretches all the way back to that Passover night in Luke 22. We might talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But this is not my supper. This is not our supper. This is not open to, well, what do you want to do this weekend since we did something different last weekend? This is the Lord's Supper. We need to respect him enough simply to do what he's told us to do. And so looking up is not actually raising your heads up to the ceiling. Right. That's, that's, not uh, looking at ceiling tiles. No, we're, we're not looking at ceiling tiles. But what we're doing is following the Lord's commands here. And that, and, and we'll get into that when we talk about the Passover here in just a minute. But that will help define what the elements are. Uh, you know, I, I have read in the past some people say, well, why can't we have... Uh, cake and milk for the Lord's Supper? Why can't we have pizza and Coke for the Lord's Supper? There's a a zillion menu items we could put out there, and that may be appealing to us, but that'd be looking at us, not looking up to the Lord. So so to to follow the Lord's dictate, we have to follow what he says, and that's that's that upward look. Now, the, the look inward. Now, you know, when we think about looking in, thought comes to my mind is going to the doctor and getting an x-ray or a cat scan you know he's he can't see in you but by these machinery he's going to see in you and so we're talking about this spiritually now so what does it mean to look in right uh, number one I, I i think it was one of our episodes that you recorded last week you shared this uh, you know humorous little story about uh, a, a wife talking to her husband on the way home well did you see this and did you see that did you see what she was wearing did you see how he was acting and you know the husband says no 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 well what good did church do for you what good was it you being there we can very easily be so preoccupied by looking around or daydreaming thinking ahead to what we're going to do Sunday afternoon or what we have on the calendar Monday that we fail to listen to the clear directive to examine ourselves. It starts in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Now, whatever that is, that's a big deal, right? So how were these people to know how to avoid that pitfall. Well, the very next verse, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. And he, he goes on from there, again, like you have emphasized similarly. I don't think he's talking about, well, I, I'm physically weak or physically ill as I sit in that assembly. It's not that, well, somebody partook of some of the unleavened bread and didn't do it in a worthy manner, and, and suddenly they fell down physically dead. He's talking about a spiritual ailment, right? He's talking about a problem of the heart This is a God-appointed, consistent opportunity to examine myself. And maybe the simplest way of thinking about that is, how has my walk with Jesus been? 
this past week? How have I lived as a disciple? Am I at peace with the Lord? Am I at peace with the brothers and sisters around me? Is there some sin that I have settled with that dishonors my Lord, this is the time to crucify that, just as my Lord was crucified and resolve that on this first day of the week, the day of resurrection from the dead, I'm going to leave that behind and I'm going to walk with Jesus wholeheartedly this week. And I think it's important to recognize that you know when, when we eat the cracker and we drink the juice, it's not like a spiritual vitamin. And we just toss it in there, and we don't give any thought to it. Yeah. Okay, I've, I've taken my vitamin for the week. Uh, I take an allergy pill every day. I don't even think about it. It's, it's <laughs> such a habit now. I just take it. I can't even tell you what it is called. I don't even remember what it's called. I don't know what it does once it gets in me. Uh, and it's supposed to help me, but I don't know that. And and so when we take the Lord's Supper, it's much more than just throwing some cracker in my mouth, some juice in my mouth, and then on I go. It, you, you must put some thought behind this. You must realize, why am I doing this? Right. And... You know, to me, to me, a parallel, every time uh, I go to a ball game or some event and they play the national anthem, I'm one who will put my hand on my heart and I'll, I'll mumble or whisper the words because I remember my father who fought in the war. And so I'll, I'll think about that. There's some significance to that national anthem to me. And there should be some significant when we put that cracker and that juice in our mouth, yeah. realizing what it's about. So, uh, so then the, the third one I want to focus on is to look ahead. Uh, no one can see what tomorrow is. So what does it mean to look ahead? Yeah, that is that verse 26 key passage. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is not just a look back to what happened in history. It's not even just a look back to appreciate what Jesus did. It is a bridge between his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead all the way to until he comes. And so for centuries, disciples of Jesus have been doing this. We understand there were some things instituted in the Bible that were to be done for a limited amount of time with a a limited scope. This is to be done until our Lord returns. We spent just briefly a little bit of time in 1 Corinthians 15. That's how Paul ends this letter, right? Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who will be raised from the dead. And all of this is going to reach its climax when our Lord returns. So let's now go back and and make the bridge here between the Passover and the Lord's Supper. What's the connection and what does that tell us? Yeah. Well, you can read all about it in Exodus chapter 12. Of course, it's the night of the 10th plague in Egypt when the descendants of Abraham were about to be set free from 400 years worth of slavery, right? And it is the plague of the firstborn. God prescribes a way that any household could be spared from that plague. You shed the blood of a lamb. You prepare that lamb as a a part of this meal that you're going to observe in that house. And you take some of that lamb's blood and you smear it on the doorposts outside of your house. And when the Lord sees the blood of the lamb, he will 
pass over that household, right? Meanwhile, on the inside, there was this meal. There was that roasted lamb, but then there were bitter herbs and things that reminded them of their slavery of the past. But also, one of the elements, according to Exodus 12, verse 8, is unleavened bread. It is to be bread that you can pick up and carry with you at a moment's notice. You're not going to wait for it to rise. You're not going to say, well, wait a minute. It's, it's still in the oven. I've got to stay here. No, it's, it is ready to carry with you. There were multiple cups available as a part of that ceremonial meal. And so in Luke 22, what we're reading about is Jesus observing that Passover meal with his disciples, but with a very specific purpose in mind, he takes two of the elements out, the unleavened bread, fruit of the vine. He says, this unleavened bread is my body given for you. This fruit of the vine is the blood of the new covenant that I'm going to institute. I want you to use these in remembrance of me. So yes, it was a part of a meal originally in Israel's history, but Jesus picks two of those simple elements out and entrusts his disciples with those as a memorial of his sacrifice. And and by following that, you know, that upward look we talked about a while ago, uh, that's what someone's going to do. And so when someone says, well, I would like to have a Twinkie. Well, <laughs> um, Jesus didn't have a Twinkie there, and that's not what Jesus took. So to follow the Lord, we're going to do what the Lord did there. He took bread that was unleavened. There was to be no leaven in that house during the Passover, so they'd gotten rid of all the leaven. And, and that through the vine, and that was symbolic of Jesus' death and, and what was going to take place with these things. Right. Now, uh, when we talk about the Lord's Supper, there, there's oftentimes some misunderstandings about what it does, what it doesn't do. Yeah. So let, let's go with the negative first. What does the Lord's Supper not do? Well, it does not serve as this magical spiritual elixir that I lived whatever way I wanted to live on Saturday night, and I come on Sunday morning and I take this, and somehow by taking it, it just erases how I lived on Saturday night and how I plan on living Friday night, right? It, it is not a a spiritual bleach that somehow just makes willful immorality wash away. And we even see that sort of mindset in the in the Old and New Testaments, right? That, well, uh, you know, I was in sin, I went and I offered these sacrifices and it made it all okay. And so now I'm ready to hop back into sin. That's not what the Lord's Supper is all about. Absolutely. And, and so uh, it's the blood of Jesus that forgives us, not the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper is not Jesus. It reminds us of Jesus, but yeah. it itself is not Jesus. And, and I think another thing I'd add to this is the Lord's Supper is not the only thing God expects us to do. Yeah. Um, we are to gather together on Sunday. We are to worship together, and part of that is the Lord's Supper. But even within that elements of worship, even without outside of that worship, God has expectations as we walk as disciples and live righteously for him. And so, you know, a guy can say, well, I take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Well, that's great. But what else are you doing? Because God has other things for us to do. And that's, that's essential. So now the flip side of that question, we talked about what it does not do. 
what does it do? Yeah. Well, lots of ways to answer that. I It humbles us, right? It reminds us consistently there was a tremendous price paid for our rebellion against God. It binds us together. This is something clearly in 1 Corinthians 11 we are to do together. And so it is such a unique opportunity. I mean, we understand that the church is all over this community, right? The church is the people, and we are scattered like grains of salt all over this community. Many of us travel throughout the week and have various responsibilities, but here is that consistent opportunity over and over and over again where we come together. We do this together with a view of our Lord, who has made all of this possible. And that, that takes away the thought sometimes. I've heard guys saying through the years, you know, oh, it's Sunday, I want to, it's a great day, I want to go golfing, and I'll yeah. just throw some cracker and juice in my golf bag, <laughs> and, and about 11 o'clock or so, when the church is doing it, I'm going to take it out. And do, you, you miss the gathering together. And that's what the Corinthians were told, when you come together. Right. It states that two times in that text. And so there's supposed to be something about coming together to do this. And that's that's very important for this. Well, I know because you and I worship at the same place. I know, Jason, you take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Right. Why every Sunday? And doesn't that get old because you do it week after week after week? Doesn't it lose its emphasis? Yeah. Well, you started us off by taking us back to the example of Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Paul deliberately stays in a location several days in order to break bread with these saints in Troas, right? There, there is a, a great significance for disciples of Jesus the first day of the week that our Lord came out of the dead, out of the grave. Now the question is: Well, does that make it somehow ritualistic and and lose its meaning? You know, I um, I have no problem eating a meal multiple times a day, right? And and being able to profit from that, be thankful for that. I have no problem when I'm thinking the way I ought to think and appreciating the way I ought to appreciate uh, seeing my wife every single day, right? You, you ask a, a widow or a widower, you know, if you were able to see once again your, uh, your spouse who has passed away, if you, if you saw them every seven days, don't you think that would get old after a while? I, no way, shape, or form would they ever say that. Bottom line is the Lord knows what we need better than we do, and he knows we need this consistent reminder. And, and what I like about it is we're never more than seven days away from remembering Jesus. We yeah. all remember Jesus every day. Right. And, and he, he's changed our life for the better. And, and in other contexts, you know, we understand that. It's not the frequency. It's, it's what you put into it. I mean, what parent will come to their child and say, I only want to hug you once this year because I don't want to lose its meaning. No, we don't do that. We, we don't, husband and wife, I'm going to kiss my wife just one time this year because I don't want it to become too frequent. No, it's, it's, it's what you put into that. And it's your heart and your mind behind that. Right. And so 
great, great lesson. It's something that's a vital part of our relationship with Jesus. It's something that helps us keep connected to Jesus because we remember, we focus on this. And so this would be a good lesson just to go back through every once in a while and just pick up these thoughts again and to remember those five looks as we partake of the Lord's Supper and how significant these things are. We're thankful to have the opportunity this evening to gather together for Bible study, right? And so, Roger, you're going to be leading a a class in our auditorium. What do you have queued up for tonight? We are looking at the theme of what was started, again, connected to our theme this year, finish what was started, considering what was started. And so I'm somehow going to teach in one lesson the restoration movement. It's a huge part of my life, but we want to talk about the church that came to America and what started here. All right. That is going to be a very quick tour, (laughs) but people will have a good tour guide for that. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are, of course, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Tonight, we're going to be in Genesis 32 to 36, and we're going to look at the beginning of Israel back in the life of Jacob. Very significant things for both the Old and the New Testament in those chapters, and we would love to have you join us for that. Lord willing, this Sunday morning, I've got the opportunity to preach again. You've been uh, in a little bit of a series. I've also been in a little bit of a series. 9.30 a.m., I'm going to round this little series off by just noticing from the scriptures how singing helps us finish what was started. What about you at five o'clock? We've been doing uh, life lessons from the from the book of Job, and we're going to wrap this up by talking about lessons from Job's God. And that's really how the book of Job ends. Powerful lessons about our Lord whom we follow. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for the opportunity to revisit what we talked about this past weekend. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.